Wednesday, fellow Met fans, how are we all doing? A uh, few things have happened since we last spoke. That's the beauty of sports. You never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates. One day it could be one thing. Next day it could be the next. Well, since we last spoke, the Mets came through with a major announcement that Mets will now have an old-timers day. Yes, this year, old-timers day comes back. And Steve Cohen is true to his word. He said that was one of the most important things for Mets. And uh, he's, he's a man of action. And I think he knows that if you satisfy the fans, they'll come out and spend their money and give the people what they want. A little kinks line there for you. But uh, it is coming back. Old Timers Day is coming back August 27th. So mark your calendars. It's going to be a Big year special events at City Field. Off the top of my head, we have the uh, Tom Seaver dedication of the statue, uh, Keith Hernandez's uh, retirement, and as always, the Mets have good promotional days. But for the first time since 1994, the Mets will have an all-timers day at City Field on August 27th. Like I said, mark your calendars. It comes right before they face the Rockies. Now, what I like about this is the Old Timers Day player introductions will begin at 5 p.m. Uh, the gates will open at 4.10 p.m. And I'd rather see it later in the afternoon and have Old Timers dying in the heat. <laughs> Sometimes in Yankee Stadium when they have that, I think they have it like at noontime. It is hot out there. So you never know with August. could be a scorcher. So the later in the day, the better it is. But even Stephen Cohen said, bringing back old-timers day was one of the most passionate requests I heard from our fans. He said, as we celebrate our 60th anniversary, having these legendary players return to the ballpark to hear cheers from Met fans once again is the perfect way to honor our past. Now, it looks like some guys have already committed to this. We have Frank Thomas, Ron Sabota, Mike Piazza, John Matlack, Felix Mion, Mookie Wilson, Howard Johnson, Bobby Ojeda, Robin Ventura. Turk Wendell, Andy Chavez, Cliff Foyt, and Daniel Murphy are among the more than 40 players are scheduled to attend. The Mets will be announcing additional former players who will be seeing in the coming months. Uh, the one I'm hoping, even if he can play, that shows up is David Wright. If David Wright is there and Mike Piazza there, they've taken the, uh, I guess, what you would call the uh, baton from Tom Seaver. Now that Tom's moved on to heaven, and um, they're basically the retired faces of the Mets. Now, the Mets did the right thing. They promoted it. They had Floyd, Ventura, and Murphy on a Zoom call to talk about the special day. And uh, all three of them talked about how they helped the team reach the postseason over the years. Each one was from a different era. And they said they really couldn't wait to attend the event and see old friends. Now, isn't it ironic? It seems like David Murphy, uh, Daniel Murphy was just socking all those home runs in the postseason. And he's only 36, and he could be the youngest old-timer that day. He retired after the 2020 season, 
and he's best known for winning the National Championship Series MVP against the Cubs in 2015. He won a phenomenal 9 for 17, 529 with four homers and six RBIs in that series. And Daniel said, I think it's really cool Mr. Cohen wanted to start this. It sounds like it was spurred by the fans. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm kind of excited to get back in the locker room. I'm not sure what the rules are yet. Now, Ventura, if you didn't know, is now a student assistant at Oklahoma State University. And he was with the Mets from 1999-2001. Now, before his Met career, before he even became a professional uh, major league player, he was one of the best college baseball players of all time. But with the Mets, he went on to the postseason two out of three years he was there. And he's best known for hitting that grand slam single in Game 5 of the 1990 National League Championship Series against the Braves. Ventura said, I'm excited to be back there. I don't know about getting in uniform. I have to work on that a little bit and shape up. It's just fun to be around the guys, see a lot of people that are very familiar and lifelong friends. Now, Floyd played with the Mets from 2003 to 2006. His best years in New York, well, best year in New York was 2005 when he smacked 34 dingers with 98 ribbies. And he placed third on the team and wins above replacement with 4.7. Floyd, quite the fashion plate, and now you can see him on the MLB Network if you watch that. Uh, he appears on MLB Tonight quite often, and other shows too. Uh, Floyd said the fans played a big part in you putting on your big boy pants and being real and true. We just play the game differently in New York. I wish I was a little more healthy. When you look at my four years, I learned a lot about myself playing in New York. It was great. We had some big ups and downs, but for the most part, it was tremendous for me. So just based on what these three players had to say, they're pretty excited about it. I'm excited about it. I remember when I was a preteen and teen growing up, uh, the Mets were still having Alzheimer's Day. And back then, it was more or less like National League stars versus American League stars, the Giants and Dodgers, old players playing against uh, sorted All-Stars. But it was always fun. It was always fun to see Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Duke Snyder when they made appearances at the Big Shea, uh, Joe DiMaggio. Uh, the Mets actually reached out to a lot of players from other teams who were pretty good in their career. So uh, this one's probably going to be more Mets-centric, I would think, uh, because now the Mets are at that point. Now you're talking about how many, I don't even know how many years uh, since they had their last old-timers. They were able to have a lot more of a bigger pool to choose from from Met history in the past. But I'm excited. I hope you're excited. It seems like the one player they won't be inviting back is Lenny Dykstrom. And I can see why. He's not exactly been a good ambassador for the Mets these last few years. But what are you going to do? I did love Lenny as a player, but you don't want him upsetting the apple cart. The Mets, however, did invite our, one of our, did invite Cespedes for the rest of us. It'll be interesting to see if he shows up. But it's going to be, it's going to be a blast. It really is. Uh... What isn't a blast, unfortunately, is the passing of Gerald Williams. As you recall, he basically got his notoriety from being a Yankee. But he was a New York Met, and uh, it's sad. He was a very close friend of Derek Jeter. And uh, it's just sad when you see someone like that uh, leave at such a young age. I think he was 55 years old. But I don't know if you guys remember Gerald with the Mets. The Mets were his last stop on the career of his career. He started in 1992 in the Major League, so he had a lengthy career, but he was with us from 2004 to 2005. 
and spot duty. Uh, you know, nothing too glamorous. Batted 233 both years with the team. His OPS was 696 and 658. But uh, he was more than just a player. I mean, it seemed like he was well-liked and well-respected. And uh, when you go to your grave, if you are well-liked by your peers, sometimes that's more important than statistics. But nonetheless, well, I regret to say that Gerald Williams is no longer with us, and may he rest in peace. Now it's time to celebrate some Met birthdays today. Anytime there's a Met birthday, we acknowledge it here on the podcast on that given day. And today we have four birthdays to celebrate. Let's go with the first one. How about Mookie Wilson, born on this date in 1956? Doug Linton, born on this date in 1965. Todd Pratt, born on this day in 1967. Danny Muno, born on this date in 1989. Let's go and uh, talk a little about each of our birthday boys. Uh, probably one of the most popular figures in Met history, and will always be remembered because he was on that 80 team, is Mookie Wilson. Uh, Mookie turns 65 today, and he will always, I think every baseball fan will remember him as the Met who hit the ground ball that rolled through Bill Buckner's legs in the bottom of the 10th inning of Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. Yes, Mookie was a switch hitter with excellent speed, positive attitude, and hustle immediately, and his hustle immediately endeared him to the Met fans. Uh, who at the time Mookie came up, we didn't have much going on. This is even before Keith Hernandez came up. So he was a glimmer of hope on the horizon. And he was enshrined in the Met Hall of Fame in 1996. Now, he was the International League Rookie of the Year, so we saw big things on the horizon. When he hit 284 with 22 homers, 184 runs back, 160 seasons. Stolen bases in four seasons in the Met Farm System. Like I said, he won IL Rookie of the Year awards in 1979. Uh, and after stealing 50 bases and 92 runs for the Tides in 1980, Mookie was called up to the majors when ro- rosters expanded that September. Though he got off to a slow start, all for his first date, manager Joe Torre, who was always Mr. Patient, stuck with Wilson in center field for 26 of 31 games remaining on the Mets' schedule. Now, Wilson got off to a slow start in 81, and his batting average dipped to 203 on May 24th. When Torrey shifted Lee Mazzilli, who had been the Mets center fielder in the face of the organization since his rookie year in 1977 to left field to make room for Mookie in center, he began to turn it around. He ended the first half of the strikes-shortened season at 288, 11 stolen bases, 21 runs scored, and a 340 on-base percentage leading off for the Mets. His average dipped to 259 in the second half. However, he stole 13 bases and scored 28 runs. Two to three home runs he hit in 1981 came in the second half and were of the game-winning dramatic variety. October 25th, he hit the ninth-inning home run off of Joe Sambito and the Houston Astros carried the Mets to a 2-1 win. On September 20th, he took St. Louis Cardinals closer and future Hall of Famer Bruce Suter deep with Frank Tavares on first for the come-from-behind victory. With Wilson and fellow rookie Hubie Brooks now at the top of the Met lineups, the perennial cellar dwellers managed to compete in the mm-hmm. second half of the season, uh, finishing five and a half games back in the National League East Division winning Expos. Now, Mookie became a fixture atop the Mets lineup through 84 and was soon himself the face of the organization. In 82, he stole at least one base in each of his first five games on the way to breaking Frank Tavares' team record with 58 stolen bases. 
He passed Mazzilli to become the team's all-time stolen base leader in 84, but he has since been passed by Jose Arez in that category. Now, Wilson suffered the first injury of his career in 1985, missing two months this season after undergoing arthroscopic, arthroscopic surgery on his right shoulder. He returned in September, but in a very limited role. The second major injury of his career came the following spring, when Met shortstop Rafael Santana now Wilson in the eye with a thrown ball, thrown ball during base running drills. Wilson needed to be carted off the field and required 21 stitches. When he returned to duty in May 86, he was used more frequently in left field as Lenny Dykstra was batting 300 as the Mets' new leadoff hitter and center fielder. Regardless of the negative effect the eye injury had upon his vision, he, respect, he posted a respectable 979 fielding average with seven assists while committing just five errors, splitting time between left and center. He also batted 289 with nine homers, 25 stolen bases, and 45 RBIs as the Mets won first place in the NL East by 21 and a half games over the Phillies. Now in the postseason, for the first time in his career, Wilson batted just 115 in the uh, 86 NLCS against the Astros. However, he scored the only run allowed by MVP Mike Scott in Game 4 of the series and drove in and scored a run in the ninth inning of Game 6 when the Mets scored three runs in their last at-bat to send the game into extra innings. He was batting a far better 273 in the World Series when he came to the plate in the 10th inning of Game 6. Now we all know what happened there. To sum it up, the Red Sox scored twice in the top of the 10th inning to go up 5-3 in a series they led three games to two. After retiring Wally Backman and Keith Hernandez, Red Sox relief pitcher Calvin Chiroldi surrendered singles to the next three batters to bring the score to 5-4 to with runners on first and third. With Wilson stepping up to the plate, Bob Stanley replaced Chiroldi on the mound. During his 10-pitch at-bat, Wilson avoided being hit by a wild pitch that scored Kevin Mitchell from third and tied the score. Two pitches later, he hit a slow roller. You just hear Bob Murphy tripling. Uh, to Bill Buckner at first base. Aware of Wilson's speed, Buckner tried to rush the play. As a result, the ball rolled beside his glove through his legs and into right field, allowing Ray Knight to score the winning run from second base. The play is often known as the Buckner play and is blamed on the first baseman, but Wilson's smart at bat and speed affected the course of events. If Buckner had made that play and Wilson had been safe, Howard Johnson would have been the next batter with runners on first and third. If Wilson had been put out by Beck Buckner, the game would have gone into the 11th inning. Now, Wilson went 1-3 for three in Game 7, scoring one of the three runs the Mets played in the 6th inning while trailing 3 nothing. Big comeback again by the Mets in Game 7, and the Mets went on to win the World Series. Now, things got interesting in uh, the offseason because the Mets acquired Kevin McReynolds to play left field prior to the start of the 87 season, creating a logjam uh, in the outfield, both Wilson and Dykstra ex expressed displeasure with the situation, with Wilson going so far as to request a trade. His trade request went ungranted, and Mookie went on to post a career-high 299 batting average, platooning with Dykstra in center. Mookie was having his poorest major league season in 1988. Through 104 games, he was batting 234 with three homers, 19 RBIs, and 31 runs scored. Regardless, the Mets were still in first place in the NLEs by four games over the Pittsburgh Pirates. From there, he went on a tear. Uh, from August 3rd to the end of the season, Mookie batted 385 with five homers, 22 RBIs, and 30 runs scored. He all but single-handedly beat the Pirates on September 5th, matching his career high with four RBIs to give the Mets a 10-game lead in their division. 
They went on to win 100 games that season and win the division by 15 games. Now, the Mets faced the Dodgers in the 1980 and LCS, and... You thought this was going to be easy peasy, but it really wasn't, even though the Mets had a 10-1 and record against them in the 1988 regular season. Despite their regular season, dominance over the Dodgers, the Mets lost the series in seven games. Wilson appeared in four games and collected two hits and 13 at-bats. Now, Mookie could have become a free agent in the 88 season. However, the Mets picked up the option on his contract. He started the 89 season batting just 199 through 52 games when the Mets acquired Juan Samuel from the Philadelphia Phillies in exchange for Dykstra McDowell with the intention of having Samuel take over as the Mets' everyday leadoff hitter. So, on July 31st of 89, the same day the Toronto Blue Jays selected to leave Mazzelli off waivers from the Mets, they also acquired Mookie Wilson for reliever, Jeff Musselman, and minor league pitcher Mike Brady. Wilson was immediately plugged into the starting lineup as right fielder Junior Felix had separated shoulder against the right field wall against the Yankees the previous day. So there you have it. That was it. Mookie was no longer a Met, but from 1996 to 2002, he did serve as the Mets' first base coach. And in 2003 and 2004, he managed the Rookie League Kingsport Mets team. And in 2005, Wilson managed the single-A Brooklyn Cyclones. Now, after serving as the organization's base running coordinator, Wilson returned as first base coach in 2001. He moved into a front office job after the season and was replaced by Tom Goodwin. In 2013, he managed the U.S. Mets in the All-Star Futures game held at City Field. But... He is still always around. He'll always be a Met. He's popular. He's at all these. I think he's still on the Met payroll in some type of capacity as an ambassador. And it's always good to talk about and reminisce about Mookie Wilson. Now, today is also Doug Winton's birthday. Who remembers Doug? Uh, the Mets signed Doug on uh, December 17, 1993. He made his Mets debut on April 8, 1994 in a 6-3 loss to the Astros the Astrodome working out of bullpen. That year, he made 33 appearances with New York, having a solid record of 6.2, but his ERA was a little high, 4.47. July, he was sent to the Norfolk Tides of the International League, where he had a 2-1 record with 2.00 ERA. And after the season, Linton became a free agent and signed with the Kansas City Royals on April 25, 1995. So there you have it. Doug was with us for one year, but once a Met, always a Met. Also celebrating a birthday today, Todd Pratt. All right, Todd. Well, one of the most famous home runs in Met history was signed by Todd Pratt. Now, Pratt signed a minor league contract with an invitation to spring training with the Mets on December 23, 1996. He was competing for a job as the backup to Todd Hundley, but lost out to Alberto Castillo. Mets optioned Pratt to the Norfolk Tides to be the everyday catcher, where he had a solid 301 in 59 games. With Castillo struggling at the major league level, Pratt was recalled in the second half of the season. He hit a walk-off extra innings home run in his first at-bat with the Mets. Pratt played 39 games with the Mets and batted 283. The Mets surged to 88 wins in the second half in 1997 with Pratt as their backup catcher, but finished in third place and missed the playoffs by a wide margin. Now, the Mets brought Pratt back in 1998. With Hunley injured and unable to play, unable to catch for all of 1998, although he did find his way behind and play for two games in September, 
Pratt competed for jobs in spring training as both New York's starting catcher or its backup. However, he lost on both jobs to Castillo and Tim Spear. After Spear was injured, there was a chance that Pratt could be recalled, but the Mets instead stunned the National League and acquired Mike Piazza, one of the biggest trades ever from the Marlins, in exchange for a host of prospects. That relegated Castillo to a more familiar backup role and leaving Pratt at Norfolk. Pratt batted 366 in the minor leagues, while Castillo's hitting hadn't come around after two parts of two seasons in the catching mix for the Mets. However, and Pratt was once again recalled in the second half, playing 41 games and batting 275. Mets won 88 games, but again missed out on the playoffs by losing to Braves on the last day of the season. Pratt became a free agent at the end of the year. Now, Piazza was signed to a long-term deal. Hunley finally became healthy enough to catch again and was packaged in a three-team deal that netted uh, Mondo Benitez and Roger Cedeno. So that ended up a pretty good trade. Castillo was then traded to the St. Louis Cardinals to serve as their part-time starter behind the plate. And the Mets re-signed Pratt to a minor league contract with an invitation to spring training. Without anyone else in his way, Pratt finally won that backup job to Piazza. He played in 71 games and had a decent 293 average. That's fantastic for a catcher. The Mets finished the season with 96 wins behind the Braves, but tied with the Cincinnati Reds in the wildcard race. Now, as you remember, the two teams, the Reds and the Mets, played a one-game playoff, which the Mets won on the strength of a complete game, two-hit shutout by Al Eider, one of the best pitching performances in Mets history. That allowed the Mets to win the National League wildcard. Now, Piazza injured his thumb in the NLDS against the Arizona Diamondbacks, pressing Pratt into starting duty for the final two games of the series. The Mets won Game 3 behind Rick Reed, and Pratt came up big in Game 4, hitting a walk-off solo homer against Mike Mante in extra innings to clinch the series for the Mets and send them to the NLCS. And he really hit it. It was a shot to center field. I'll never forget that. In Game 5 of the NLCS, Robin Ventura hit what appeared to be a game-winning grand slam in the 16th inning that would have sent the series back to Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> and he was credited with a single, referred to jokingly as the grand slam single. Uh, you know what happened there. Todd Pratt stopped at second base, and that's why Ventura didn't have the home run. It would have been famous one way or the other, but the grand slam single may have even brought him more notoriety. But the Mets, however, lost the NLCS to the Braves in six, game, six games, and Pratt became a free agent at the end of the year. So Piazza was signed to a long-term deal. Hunley finally became healthy enough to catch again. It was packaged in a three-team deal. Oh, I already said that. I'm sorry. I'm misreading my notes. <laughs> but the Mets did re-sign Pratt to a minor league contract, and he once again won the role of Piazza's backup in spring training. Pratt played in 80 games, about 275. The Mets won 94 games and emerged as wild card winners again. The Mets toppled the Giants in the NLDS and took the Cardinals in the NLCS, sending them to the World Series against their crosstown rivals, the New York Yankees. Pratt started Game One of the series in Yankee Stadium as Piazza was penciled into the lineup as the DH against Andy Pettit. Pettit, a game time decision, as manager Bobby Valentine considered starting Bubba Trammell against the lefty. Mets lost in extra innings. Lenny Harris started game two with DH. Uh, Roger Clemens and against Roger Clemens and Piazza returned to catching while Pratt did, not, Pratt did not start another game in the series. The Mets lost in games in five games and Pratt became a free agent again at the end of that season. Now the Mets re-signed Pratt to a minor league contract and he won the backup job to Piazza again. 
Although it'll become obvious the longtime farmhand, Vince, Vance Wilson, never a prospect, had emerged as a more capable backup than Pratt. Pratt played in 45 games for the Mets, but only batted 163, being traded mid-season to the Philadelphia Phillies in exchange for Gary Bennett. Bennett got a hit and is only at bat as a Met and was traded out of the organization, allowing Wilson to be recalled and serve as Piazza's backup. So Pratt became a backup with the Phillies, but his end uh, of the Met career had come for him, unfortunately. Uh, and also celebrating a birthday today, let us say happy birthday to Danny Muno. Who remembers Danny? Danny made his major league deb debut on April 17, 2015 as a pinch hitter, recording a single off Marlins reliever Sam Dyson for his first major league hit. He then stole second base. In 2015, Muno tied a Mets record with three errors in one game. He, has, he was outrighted off the Met roster on August 31st, 2015, so he missed the whole big celebration, celebratory 2015 postseason. He began 2016 with the Las Vegas 51 before he was released on June 28th. And then after that, um, you know, a few days later, signed a minor league contract with the White Sox. So those are your birthdays today, and we uh, hope you enjoyed our little recap of our careers. And now it's time for Mets Baseball Jeopardy and Trivia. Okay, who's ready for the Mets Trivia and Jeopardy question of the day? Here we go. We're going to do the trivia first, okay? Uh, the trivia question is, can you name the two Cy Young Award winners who were on the 2008 Mets? And our Jeopardy, which is always a little tough sometimes, has two clues. Traded by the New York Mets to the Minnesota Twins in exchange for Darren Reed on November 18, 1992. The second clue is he wore number 38 as a New York Met. Lock in your answers. And we'll be back as always at the end of the podcast to tell you what the answers were and to see how you did. Now before we go any further with what's going on in the greatest Facebook group in the world, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. Let's talk about some of the transactions in Met history on this date. On this date, the Mets signed free agent Clint Hurdle on 1987. Quinn was one of those prized prospects where they thought was going to be the next big thing. Had a decent career. Probably more noteworthy as a manager. But on this date, the Mets signed Clint Hurdle. Now on this date, the agent Angels signed Jason Middlebrook of the Mets as a free agent on February 9, 2004. And who remembers Chan Hope Hark as a Met? Well, the Mets signed him as a free agent in 2007. And then the Mets signed free agent Frank Catalanato for the Milwaukee Brewers on February 9, 2010. Also on this day in 2010, the Mets claimed Jason Pretty off on waivers from the Minnesota Twins. So there you have it. Those are some of the things that have been happening on this date in Met history. Okay, now we're going to talk about what's going on in the greatest New York Mets baseball, baseball, Facebook baseball group there is. I'll get it right one of these days. Anyway, uh, if you're not a member of the group, we're on Facebook, and you'll love the site if you're a Mets fan. It's called New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. And if you listen to this podcast, because of New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, please, please, please subscribe. You'll be updated every time a new uh, podcast comes along. We'd love to have you as a regular listener. So what is going on in the greatest Mets Facebook group there is? See, I got it right that time. I showed a picture of some Shea memories. I showed a picture of the ramp, fans getting off the subway. 
uh, buying some souvenirs on the old subway platform. And Don Robb summed it up best when he said, First time I went to City Field, I saw word of ramps and very strange walking downstairs. Still does. And that I do miss too, Don. Tim St. Clair said, Nothing like walking down that ramp after a big win. I replied to Tim, I like the ramp even when the Mets lost. Maybe my most likable thing about Shea. So, uh, we all miss the Rams. Uh, then I mentioned that Tom Seaver was the all-time leader in opening day starts with 16. I always associate Tom with opening day. And who had the best fan graphs wars of shortstop since 2015? None other than our own Francisco Lindor at 32.1, followed closely by Jana Bogarts at 31.4, and Carlos Correa at 251. At 25.1, I should say. Uh, what else are we talking about? We all, Adrian and Nick Gonzalez, remember him? He was the emergency fill-in for the Mets in the other days. Uh, he announced his retirement. Like I said, every day we have good stuff out there. And the big focus of the group the last couple days was the all-timers day. But unfortunately, we also had a report that Matt Harvey, who names a possible drug source, the defense attorney said Matt Harvey in the Tyler Scares case will be named as a possible drug source. Uh, we don't know. I think Harvey's a government witness, and I don't want to go too further into that. But uh, hope Matt isn't involved in a bad way. And then I showed a picture of Dave Kingman and George Foster and said, this really didn't work out, but it seemed like a great idea at the time. They were two of the more feared sluggers at the time for the Mets. So those are some of the things that have been going on. Then I showed a picture of the farthest seat in the, out in left field in the upper deck at Old Shea. I said, ever sit here for a Met game? Don Robb said, never sat there, but did walk up there once for a game far away. Simon Robo said, got a nosebleed halfway up, sitting on the court with the birds. Cyril Grassi, Met fan extraordinary, extraordinaire, said, yeah, I've been up there a couple times. So, uh, again, always interesting stuff in there. Great pictures, like we showed a beer bottle from Shea Stadium 2008. We showed the beginning of the structure of the uh, Shea Stadium back in the day. So, again, join the group. If you're not, it's New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. We'd love to have you. Okay, now back to our Jeopardy trivia and Jeopardy. Okay. Yesterday's baseball Jeopardy question was, and I hope you wrote down your answers. Uh, hold on one second. What is going on? Bruce Springsteen deciding to kick in with some Cadillac rash. Hey, Bruce, give me some space. Anyway, uh, the Jeopardy question was, whoa, hold on. Okay, we got it now. Didn't take long, did it? Here are the two crews for the final match Jeopardy. Traded by the New York Mets and Minnesota Twins exchange for Darren Reed on November 18, 1992. And he wore number 38 as a Met. The correct answer is, who is Pat Howell? And our resident senior Met expert, Harvey Porras, came through with the correct answer. Harvey's seen the Mets from day one. He's always a good source for good old Met information. Uh, again, yesterday's Met trivia question was... 
Name the two Cy Young Award winners who were on the 2008 Mets. Well, the correct answers are two of the best who ever wore the uniform. Not necessarily had their best years with the Mets, but two of the best pitchers of their era. Johan Santana and Pedro Martinez. Congrats, congrats to Kareem Haywood, who seems to be running away with these competitions lately in 2022. I'm being the first to submit the correct answers. Congratulations, gentlemen. You did a good job. All right, that's going to wrap up another podcast for today. Again, thanks for all of you for listening. I hope you're enjoying these, getting some good feedback, and that's always good to see. So don't forget, subscribe and be updated. Like I said, we try to do one every day, but sometimes things just don't work out. So we may have one tomorrow. Hopefully you'll be tuning in if we do. But the best way to find out is subscribe to the podcast, and you'll be alerted every time one is up. So enjoy your day. It's February. Spring training should have been starting sooner. But the Manford and the players have decided otherwise. But we'll be here for your needs and pleasures until they actually get their act together and we start throwing the ball down in Florida. So again, thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Let's go Mets. Thank <laughs> you.